What's going on today? Hope the day is treating you well. Wanted to let you know the podcast is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. If you need your home spray foamed, be sure to check out msfi.ca today. Drew and the crew over at Muskoka are waiting for you to help you with your spray foam needs. Be sure to check out msfi.ca today. We're also proudly brought to you by Boone Contracting. They pride themselves on excellent customer service and quality workmanship. They specialize in every aspect of contracting, residential or commercial, from complete custom renovations, decks, fencing and more. Be sure to check out boonecontracting.ca. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is none other than the voice of the Vancouver Canucks, your in-house PA announcer. That's right, Al Murdoch sits down with the show. We talk about his career, things about the Canucks. We go through all different walks of what it's like to be a PA announcer, and we talk about the call that is yet to come for him. It is a great chat. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, the legendary Al Murdoch. So as I said in the opening, this is the legendary Al Murdoch, and if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan, you have heard his voice call some of the most iconic goals for the Canucks. Obviously, in-house PA announcer Al Murdoch joins us today. Al, how's the uh, day treating you? Well, it's wonderful. It's uh, it's another beautiful day here on the West Coast, and uh, like I always say, we're only 24 hours away from another deluge of rain, so I'm trying to take advantage of the reports that I'm hearing. Uh, I read an interesting article uh, yesterday from Pierre Lebrun about you know the hub cities, at least the ones that are potential ones in Canada, Vancouver being one of them. I'm thinking that we might, in a perfect world, find out where the hub cities are probably at the end of next week. And with that being said, if Vancouver is chosen, I will be very ecstatic about it. But I have not been approached by either uh, the Canucks hateful if, if I was a part of it. Because, you know, getting back into the rink to do what I love to do, uh, I would jump at the chance. Now, i got to ask the question, obviously, with COVID and everything going on, um, would you have any hesitations? Would you be asking any forthright questions? You know, do you need to wear a shield? What's going to be like in the booth? Is there separation? Or are you of the mind that, you know, if everybody in the building's been tested, that you're pretty safe to be either working with or sitting beside someone doing the calls? Uh, I read an interesting article uh, yesterday from Pierre Lebrun about, you know, the hub cities, at least the ones that are potential ones in Canada, Vancouver being one of them. I'm thinking that we might in a perfect world find out where the hub cities are probably at the end of next week and with that being said if vancouver is chosen i will be very ecstatic about it but i have not been approached by either uh, the canucks hateful if, if i was a part of it because you know getting back into the rink to do what i love to do uh i would jump at the chance now i gotta ask the question obviously with covid and everything going on um, would you have any hesitations? Would you be asking any forthright questions? You know, do you need to wear a shield? What's going to be like in the booth? Is there separation? Or are you of the mind that, you know, if everybody in the building's been tested, that you're pretty safe to be either working with or sitting beside someone doing the calls? I'm quite comfortable with uh, going into whatever situation is presented. Um, I just want to get back. And I think with, with if Vancouver was chosen, I think with the layout of where our game presentation area is, uh, we will be able to practice that safe distancing. And again, with no fans and a very, you know, minimal staff up there, I think that uh, there's 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 nothing on my mind that's that's weighing 
very confident that that if uh, if they get things right, then we don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, and it does seem like they're striding in the right direction. Obviously, with testing, mass testing seems to be you know able to be done quickly, and then you get the results back even faster. And you know, with the way they're talking about doing it, if Vancouver does become that hub city, I mean, every way it's going to be so tested that you're not going to have to have those worries. Obviously, still be cautious, but again, getting hockey back on the ice, there's a lot of people that are saying they you know they should cancel and wipe the season. I'm not with that right now. I think right now where this year has been so tough with everything that's gone on, not only with COVID, but obviously all the the riots and the protests in the states and you know those kind of things, you need a little bit of positivity to start flowing in and a little bit of, uh, you know, a, not to say it's just an escape, but a little bit of positive light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I, I totally agree. Uh, people can even call it a distraction if that's what they need. Yes. Uh, but it's a, it's a positive distraction for sure. And me, just be, uh, just the selfish side of me, just wants to get back again, sitting in that PA chair, announcing goals and assists, um, the only thing that will be different, will, will, of course, will be the fact that there won't be that, that instant feedback from the fans. But that being said, um, I think we're all looking for some sort of normalcy to get back into our lives. And if sports can bring that back in, then, then, then that's, that's a positive all around. No, it's a step in the right direction. And I got to throw it out to ask this one here. I mean, obviously with no fans in the rink, a lot of people feed off the fans. Now, for you, when you're doing your calls, um, do you feed off the emotion in the building? Does that get you a little bit more amped up, get the volume level a little bit more higher, the energy in the voice? There's no question. Uh, without the fans, uh, there's there's no game. There's no game presentation. Um, there's no in-arena atmosphere. And uh, I've spoken about this uh, over the last three or, you know three months, about the fact that I miss that connection with the fans. Um when I do, uh, whether it's a goal call or it's a, a promotional thing or we're doing the kiss cam or we're doing some of the fun things that we do at the rink, um, when you pause and you give that little bit of, you know, uh, pregnant pause to let the fans kind of respond to what you're doing and to hear that response come back to you, there is no feeling like it. Uh, you know, in my business um, of, of being a voice actor for almost 30 years now, I sit in my studio and I and I talk to myself all day, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, you don't you don't get that instant gratification and that response from the fans, and that's what I've missed the most next to watching NHL hockey. No, I mean, and the other thing that you've been hearing too. I mean, obviously having the fans there it feeds the energy. I've talked to players, coaches, different people within the media as well, and they say the same thing. And you need that live interaction with fans and now they're talking about i know a few leagues over in germany have done it where they've piped in the sound you know basically fans buy what would dub to be a virtual ticket and you subscribe to it that way so you can weed out the people that may be saying you know things that you don't want in that feed but then you have fans purchasing that virtual ticket and they're able to feed the sound in um, my only concern with that is you know when a goal scored the instantaneous reaction of fans is what you need and I don't know about you, but with a lot of people on one stream, the latency would be pretty high, and I don't know if it would be the greatest idea, but it may add that element where you can have the sound there, and if you're doing it on TV, maybe you can find a way to make it a little bit more paired up. Well, I'm sure that the that the NHL and the Players Association uh, have uh, you know have been discussing not only that, but a myriad of other issues. Um, you know, going into this this play-in portion, and then you know the the, the playoff format. 
Um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, it, we're in uncharted territory here. What works and what doesn't work is really going to be through experimentation. Yep. And uh, there's going to be some fans uh, that are going to like what happens. There's going to be some fans that don't. But really, at the end of the day, if we can get, you know, that puck to drop and we can get hockey back going again, I think at the end of the day, people are just going to go, man, I'm just happy watching hockey. That's exactly it. And what better way to do it, though, after the year that's been so far, to be able to sit out on your back deck or your patio or wherever outside on a beautiful day, cold beverage in your hand and watching Stanley Cup hockey or even just to play in hockey I mean, that feeling alone is amazing. You usually do it with baseball. You sit out there and you listen to the baseball game. Obviously, I'm a Blue Jay guy. So you listen to the Blue Jays while you're mowing the grass. And then you sit down and you kick back and listen to the rest of the game. Now, just imagine throwing on the game on the TV for hockey in the middle of summer. It's mind-blowing it's going to happen. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's something that I think we've been thinking about since it was postponed. At least the NHL season was postponed in, in mid-March. Yep. You know what it was? Everyone was, oh, you know, they took that big deep sigh and went, oh, man, what's going to happen? Well, now we've been thinking about it for three months, and we're potentially, you know, just this close to it happening again. And I just think that people will just embrace it just because of the fact that they do need that positive distraction. They, knew, they do need it, especially in Canada. It's such a in our DNA and uh, not to have that uh, over the last three months has, has been tough that being said you know, uh, the fact that, uh, that there's lives that have been lost due to this pandemic we can't forget that no. we, have to, uh, we have to understand why we are in the situation that we are in um, but again uh, if we can bring a little distraction and positive energy back, uh, yeah, you know, I'm all for the king of positivity. So uh, I'm going to relish it when it comes back. Well, like we said just before we jumped on, you know, look for the you know, bright side of things. Look for the positive in anything, right? And try to try to make that the thing you focus on instead of the negative energy. And if you change that around, good things usually happen. So mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta wonder though. A lot of people have their opinion on the way that the play-in has been set up, the way it's been built, the way it's been built, and now the way that it's going to be laid out. It looks like the play-in will be done, and then the play- teams not playing in the play-in will be reseeded. I gotta ask, just from a purely fan speculation point here, how do you feel about the way the play-in set up, and how do you feel about the way the teams will be seeded afterwards? Uh, again, I, I'm going to use that phrase, uncharted territory. I mean, when you sit down and you and you go through all of the scenarios about how they're going to organize this, at the end of the day, there's going to be people that are happy with it, people that aren't. Um, I'm just happy that, uh, A, the Canucks are in the mix. And, and of course, Lee fans will be happy that Toronto's in the mix. Yep. Uh, for the teams that didn't make it, it, it's, it wouldn't be any different um, with them not making the playoffs anyway. So in terms of the play-in and and, and then the reseeding um, after that finishes, I don't have any issue with it. Um, I think those those play-in series, you know, just looking at the Canucks in the wild and looking at the Leafs and the Blue Jackets, I think that, that those series are going to be really interesting to watch. And not only those, but the rest of them, just because we don't know after July 10th when the, when the training camps start, how players are going to be. We don't know how their bodies are going to be. We don't know how mentally they're going to be. So really, it's 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 all anyone's game and anyone's series to win. And that is really compelling because if you're, you know, doing a regular playoff series like it normally would be, um, you've got teams that are ex- 
expected to win and teams not ex- and uh, and then other teams that are expected to lose. I think with with the way that they've set up here, it's really anyone's game, anyone's to win. So I think that's the real commitment. No, it definitely is. And I got to ask the the question here for you: When the hockey does come back, and obviously Vancouver playing Minnesota. Do you think, and I'll even use Toronto because they got a lot of young guys as well, do you think it benefits the teams with the young players coming out of something like this where they'll be full of P&V and ready to go and the legs will be there? Or do you think it's better for the older guys who probably took it more seriously, made sure they maintained their body knowing that they would be coming back and maybe didn't take the time off to go to the beach or have a few drinks with buddies? Um, I'm wondering what side of the coin you fall on that. Some people seem to think that just because you're young and youthful that you'll bounce back a lot easier. I think the guys who, you know, maintain the diet and kept the uh, kept up the, the body during this will be there a lot faster. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, you know, uh, I, I think it's going to be a combination of both. I think if you look at the teams, I mean, I, I'm just taking a look at, at, uh, at our roster, you know, with the likes of, of Pedersen and Horvat and Hughes and, and Besser and Bertan and Goddad. I mean, these are all still relatively young players that, you know, can, can jump into a, a, a training camp and, um, and, and be hopefully ready to go. With the older players, I mean, there there is a risk of injury. I can't imagine that there's not going to be a few players that are going to have some, you know, some back issues some hip issues, some groin issues going into it. So, um, you know, there's the, there's the injury um, uh, issue that you have to look at going into this as well. But, you know, I think if you've got a balanced roster of young guys and old guys going into any playoff series, uh, uh, you know, especially with the older guys and the veterans that have had playoff experience, uh, I think you're I think you're in the in the lead going into this uh, playoff. No, uh, for me. The one player that I look at on each team that I think is going to be the hyper-focus is the goaltenders. Uh, you talked about a moment ago about groins and hips. Um, you know, you see a lot of injuries usually in the beginning of the season or even in training camp happen with the Leafs this year with when they're trying to bring in Neuwirth and stuff. Um, hips and, and groins were the problem. Obviously, you know, players haven't really been on the ice at all. Um, you know, haven't been able to do much up until this point here the past few weeks. Um, goalies are the ones that I'm really hyper worried about. And obviously the NHL and the players association look at that as well, because it looks like teams are going to be able to carry as many goalies as they see fit. Um, I know the Leafs are looking at at least carrying four, um, for you with Vancouver, obviously Markstrom is probably going to be carrying most of the load. Um, but who do you think comes with them? Who do you, who would you see with the team if they're allowed to carry four or more, who would you see them bringing along? Well, I mean, Demko obviously would, would be the backup, uh, and again, another young guy. Um, and then we got, of course, we've got Louis Domingue. Uh, we've got uh, Michael DiPietro, uh, you know, who is uh, playing with the AHL affiliate, affiliate. So if you're carrying four, I mean, there's your four there. Yep. Um, and and like, like you said, I think Markstrom uh, will be carrying the, the load. Uh, but again, it, it, all it takes is one, you know, stretch save that uh that could jeopardize uh, a groin or a hip or a back or a knee or whatever and and again three weeks of training camp or whatever the, the length of the training camp is going to be starting july the 10th that's going to determine how players are going to be going into that playoff series and again it's not like you're going into a, um, a training camp where after training camp you're jumping into the regular season and that you know that feel out period for the first two weeks 
you're yeah. going full bore. This is this is for all the marbles. So, you know, mentally you you might think that your body's ready, but your body may tell you something different. So that's going to be one of the main issues watching that that first round, second round, uh, you know, that play in. Uh, to see where teams are at because you could just see teams decimated by injuries after that play-in. Well, that's the thing that I wonder the most about this, you know, the teams that are going to be sitting and waiting for the next round to come on and they'll be playing each other for seeding rights is, you know, how hard are those guys going to go? Obviously, you want to be seeded higher, but you don't want the injury bug to bite you before you start playing a team in round one. Obviously, those teams are already in. So, you know, you look at them and I know Tampa was a little bit perturbed about having to do it but you look at one shot off a foot and yeah I mean you look at Boston you know you lose Chara or you lose Krug or someone of that nature you know in one of those games that are not meaningless but you're only looking for seeding rights not playing rights so you know you lose a player like that and then you go into a team that like you just said was going full bore whether it's Toronto Columbus Vancouver Mini or the other matchups going on and you know, you look at those teams coming after that, they're going to be going real the real hard. The engine's going to be revving at 110%. So you're going into a buzzsaw. I'm wondering, just before we get on to your career and, and everything for you, um, do you think those teams that are sitting waiting, not idle, but just playing for seeding rights, are going to be you know up against a little harder in the first couple of games of the series once it shifts to that next round? Uh, you know, you can, you can say that and you can also say, Hey, with them waiting around, they'll have a lot more time to, you know, to, to, to get the stretches in, to get those, those treatments from the, from the training staff to get maybe a little bit more mentally prepared just by watching the other teams play. I mean, you just don't know. This is just such a weird, weird thing to, to think about going into. And, 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 and that's just for us. Can you imagine the thoughts that are going on in the players' minds? A, first off, not only about playing, but, you know, just to get this this whole thing organized because, you know, the, the Players Association, of course, have to agree and vote on the hub cities as well. They're looking at uh, not only where the cities are and uh, where not only where they're located, but, okay, is there enough, you know, hotels? Is um, is Are, are the numbers uh, in terms of uh, the, the COVID numbers, are they low? They're, they're not only thinking about playing the game mentally that way but they're thinking about their safety and the safety of of the staff and if potentially that the families are coming down as uh, with them as well so there's so much more in their minds than just playing the game of hockey so we i think we always have to think about those things too no you got to take the human element with it as well and bringing the families down i mean that's going to be difficult in itself especially if you have young ones and you're in a hotel you know trying to not only because I got two young ones and try to explain to them that hey this is where we are this is where you can stay you can't go off this floor you can't go here can't go there you know it's going to be very difficult to to have them in that position and they won't be allowed to probably go to the rink with dad and watch him play or practice so you know having them there will be great but at the other end of things it might be really tough on the the other half who, who's sitting there with them while you're not there and that's why I say uh, the amount of work that's going on uh, within the NHL and the Players Association right now, I mean, the hours of meetings and phone meetings and Zoom meetings just to talk about just that, Yeah. N- not even talking about hockey, just talking about that specific thing and the amount of, um, of hours that they're putting in just to get this thing going is mind-boggling. So uh, when it does come to pass and the cities are announced and, and the games are going on, then uh, we can we can... We can put that aside, but just just put yourself in in, in the in the shoes of 
of the league and the players association just trying to get this thing going um you know not only just for for the sake of the game but the, they're also talking about the fact that you know they're they're talking about a new cba there's just so much stuff going on besides the actual playing of the game uh it's mind-boggling it's going to be nice when everything is up back on the ice because you can focus just on the on-ice product but you're right there's so many little intricate things that need to be discussed, not only to negotiate the CBA to get everything going forward, because you know every step during this is going to be a bargaining chip in the CBA. So everything yeah. the players concede, everything the owners concede, everything that is lost or gained is going to be used by the other side in those negotiations. So you're right, these conversations that are happening are way deeper than we get to see or we get to hear about whether you're in the media or tuned into it you're right these zoom calls and everything that everybody's talking about it's way deeper than just getting the product back on ice there's lots of things that we're going to hear about in the coming months that were talked about and we didn't hear about that this gave up or this team gave up or you know this gave up because one of the things that i just heard about that i didn't even know was a thing was the teams that are not in the playoff mix are now able to trade with each other for players and you know basically move players in and out from organizations to organizations which is absolutely mind-boggling considering the fact that you have the AHL who's completely shut down and the ECHL so you can move those players around that don't really have a league at all and you may get a player going over to a team that you know isn't going to be playing what until January now right so just trying to get all that put together is another step in the puzzle that's just mind-blowing and you look at Don Sweeney and Kyle Dubas who are a part of those uh, talks going on to bring the AHL along and get them back to playing so there's so much going on absolutely way too much for any one person to fathom <laughs> and that's why that's why the, the the smarter people than us are doing it that's why they're doing it and we just can't wait to, to get hockey back on the ice again that's it right there with a nutshell right <laughs> nail on the head right there so I gotta ask. Obviously, hockey guy, love hockey. Uh, what got you into wanting to be behind a mic? What got you into voiceovers, PA announcing? What fueled that fire to get you to where you are today, Al? Well, uh, I'm a Winnipeg boy. Uh, was was born in Winnipeg, and my uh, and I know you're located in Halifax. My family actually lived in Halifax for a while too. As my as my father was kind of moving up the corporate ladder, um, but I you know I grew up in in, in Winnipeg. Uh, my family uh, lived in Halifax for a while. Uh, I've lived in uh, outside of Toronto, lived in Barrie uh, for a couple of years and played hockey there. Shane Corson and I played as kids, which was kind of fun. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, and uh, but I've lived most of my life out here in, uh, on the West Coast. But I remember the first time that I that I turned on a radio in, in, in Winnipeg and, and being six years old and, and hearing a voice come out of that transistor radio. And, and I, I just thought to myself, you know, I felt like that voice was speaking directly to me, and there was a real instant connection with um, with with voice and with communication. And and I knew literally from the age of six that I wanted to do something with my voice. Um, radio was 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 the ultimate goal. As I kind of grew up in my in my teens and then graduated from high school, and and ended up getting a, a job at a local radio station here in, in Vancouver right out of high school and, and kind of worked my way up and, and worked in radio for about 17 years, um, you know, not only in the Vancouver market, but in Edmonton for a while and all with the, with the thing in the back of my mind going, 
you know, I want as much fun as this is, but I, I, I want to, I, I want to be a voice actor. I want to, to do voiceovers. I want to do commercials and I want to do movie trailers and I, and I want to do everything that's, that's all in, in terms of that industry. So, uh, back in 2000, 2001, uh, when the Vancouver Grizzlies, who I was the PA announcer for, well, for the six years that they were in Vancouver, uh, when they left, um, I left my radio career and, and, and built a studio in my home, and I've been doing voiceovers basically since then. But, um, you know, the, the PA announcing thing just, it just you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that you got to be, be at the right place at the right time sometimes. And um, how I got the Grizzlies job was I missed the auditions, um, I saw them on the local um, TV broadcast saying that they had held auditions, and I missed them somehow. So I phoned the director of game presentation at the time for the uh, Grizzlies and said, "Listen, you know, I know I missed the auditions, but you know, is there any chance I can have an opportunity to come down and audition with you, just in front of you? This is my job; it's nobody else's. I want this really badly." And he was lucky enough to give me some time. And I went down there, and but after about a 15-minute audition, he gave me the job on the spot. So um, that was my kind of entry into the PA world. I, I did a Major League Baseball tournament when it, it came here back in the 90s uh, at BC Place. And um, I just fell in love with the, the again, the instant feedback from fans and the working with the team. And it was live. It, you know, it wasn't pre-recorded. Um, you know, uh, that's what got me really interested in the PA game. And, uh, and then in terms, in terms of the Canucks, when the Grizzlies left, my dear late friend John Ashbridge, who um, uh, you know I have uh, stepped into into the position after John passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, he was a real mentor to me, not only in the radio career but as a PA announcer as well. And um, so I kind of learned almost through osmosis uh, working with him. And I started with the Canucks on a kind of a fill-in basis back in 2011 when John was going through some health issues, and and then John started to scale back a little bit each year and. And a couple of years ago, he finally decided that, you know, he said, you know what, the, the, the job's in good hands. I'm, I'm glad it's you that's doing it, Al, and, and enjoy it. And uh, and I have. It is by far, of all of the stuff that I do in terms of voice, uh, it is the most gratifying and uh, rewarding for me. That is an absolutely cool story, though, about the Grizzlies, where you said, it is my job. Let me Let me do this for you, and I will prove to you this is mine. Not a lot of people shoot that shot, and there's so much to be said about taking that moment and shooting your shot, whether it be asking someone to come on and talk to you on a podcast, or whether it's, you know, knowing what you want and standing there and saying, hey, I can do this, let me show you, and just taking that shot. That is awesome. More people, I think, need to do that at times, because so many people think about it and then end up sitting on their hands and saying, nah, you know what, it's not the right time, or no, I shouldn't do it, and you miss out on those opportunities. So, like you said, you, you made your own right there, and that's absolutely killer. Yeah, and it was and it was weird because it was, it, it was uh, you know, like when I saw the news story on the news, I just kind of went, and it was literally an instant thing. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily in my nature to, you know, to go and boast and say, you know, this is me and I, I'm this kind of guy, and that's not what really it was all about. It was just really more to get my foot in the door, and then once I got my foot in the door, it, without even thinking about it, it was interesting because the audition part of it was uh, back in the day we were still watching games on VHS tape okay so that tells you how long ago it was um, and I remember them putting on a game between um, Houston and Phoenix and turning down the sound and just saying you know do the PA 
and thank goodness I was a huge NBA fan and I knew all the players on, on, on Houston and Phoenix and, you know, and they basically just turned it down for about 10 minutes. And I said, well, who's the home team? And they said it was Houston. So, you know, Clyde Drexler was still there. Akeem Olajuwon was still there, all of these great players. So I knew all of their names and, uh, and then I just kind of did it. And, and then they put me on the mic to do a few announcements and they say, why not? Let's go for it. Let's do it. And, uh, from then on, it was uh, it was a love of public address announcing in all forms because, you know, I not only do uh, <clears throat> hockey with the Canucks, and but I'll still do basketball when the when the NBA does come here, or if it's a FIFA, um, you know, or FIFA, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, exhibition game, uh, I'll do minor hockey games for, for 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 lower mainland teams here that that ask me if I still have time to do it. I do my daughter's basketball games in high school, so it's really just the love of sports and getting behind the mic and announcing that is absolutely awesome Uh, i mean for me and i'm only starting to find my voice when it comes to doing this stuff here but i've only in the by the past maybe four years realized that you know using my voice and doing fun things like i do little prediction season videos before each maple leaf game and just you know get in front of the camera and be loud and and, you know announce what i think is going to happen and have fun with it but just hearing you talk about that for every level and wanting to still do it and just the love of it, that's what I feel now, and I'm not even dip my toe in the water. So I can only imagine how cool it feels to be at the highest level with the NHL and then the NBA when they come to town, or soccer, or even getting to do it for your daughter, which probably means so much to not only her, but the team as well. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I always say it sure beats working. <laughs> well, they always say, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, you got that right. So for you, with the PA announcing for the Canucks, and we'll focus on that a little bit more heavily, um, is there a player that you love to call, or is there a player from the past that was your favorite name to say? I know everybody's got one. Well, uh, currently, it's it's Bo Horvat, without exception. I mean, I, you know, I admire him so much, not only as a player, but as a human being, because he is such a genuine guy. He's the right guy to be the captain of, of our team. Might be a silent leader, but he, he does his leading on the ice and in the community. And, um, you know, his name just lends itself to, uh, you know, to, to uh, and, I'm, and again, I like to take a little bit of what I did with the Vancouver Grizzlies and, and a lot of what I've learned from my late friend John Ashbridge and then some other, you know, PA announcers around the league that have been around the league for, for many, many years and kind of combine a little bit of them and a lot of me into it. So when Bo Horvat scores a goal, you know, I, I, I can I can just draw out that Bo Horvat. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun saying his name. But I tell you, I'll be honest with you. Anytime somebody scores, uh, I want to make sure that I, you know, that I announce their name. And it's a special thing because every time somebody scores or gets a point, it's a milestone in the NHL. So I want to make it special for every player with the exception of the opposition. Of course, then it's disinterested. Then it's like, <laughs> then it's just a real kind of a Passover, you know, okay, Toronto goals scored by, blah, 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 blah. You know, you, you get it yeah. there and stuff, but you still have to show, <clears throat> you still have to show respect for, uh, for the opposition as, as well, but obviously not, <laughs> not with as much punch as you normally would be, uh, you know, announcing Elias Pettersson, is always fun. Brock Besser, uh, Quinn Hughes, who, you know, uh, I'm just hoping, you know, wins the, the wins the Calder. He's up against Kale McCarr, but you know, those two players are just gen- generational players. So it's it's really fun. 
of Quinn's name. And in the past, you know, I started in 2011. So we still had, you know, we still had the West Coast Express line. So announcing Marcus Nasland and, and Brendan Morrison and Todd Bertuzzi and Roberto Luongo and all of those great players, you know, that went through that 2011 run. Um, it's just it's just really an honor to be up there announcing any players' names because there's only 31 of us that get to do this job in the National Hockey League and soon to be 32 with Seattle coming in. So, you know, we're a, we're a very, very lucky group of pe- people that get to do this job. So I don't take it lightly. Uh, I, I'm really grateful and fortunate to be where I am. No, I mean, it would be amazing to make the calls. And, I mean, take putting the punch behind the name, I was talking to uh, to Phil Hewlett, and, you know, he, yeah. he was talking about – how he likes uh, Zegras. He can't wait to call his his name out there. And, you know, I, I asked him the same question I asked you, who is the favorite guy? And I thought he would say Team Mussolini, but no, he uh, he went with someone else. And the name escapes me at the moment, but it was just a shocker. But it's just the way he got to hit the name, he said, that made him feel really good. Just like you were talking about Bull Horvat, you know, where you get to stretch it out with the basketball and the draw. You know, he, he had the same thing, a name that you wouldn't expect, but he loved it. He loved being able to call that name. I got to ask, I mean, you were with the team in 2011 when they went to the final against Boston. Not going to ask about the happening there, but I got to ask for for your side of things, what is your ultimate call besides the Stanley Cup? Is there a milestone thing you're looking for? I mean, some announcers look for, you know, a person person that they're connected with on the team that they hit a milestone or, you know, someone that uh, they know and they want to be able to announce that? Is there something you're looking forward to? Because obviously the, the easy answer is to say you cannot wait to announce the Stanley Cup, but the, everybody's got something else in the back of their mind that they can't wait to hit. Yeah, no, I mean, the Stanley Cup is, is first and foremost, there's no question. I mean, when I started in 2011, it was it was in the playoffs, actually. And um, so I only I ended up working a couple of games in the, in the first series, so I didn't even get to, to do the Stanley Cup final. So a Stanley Cup final, definitely. Uh, doing an Olympic Games, doing a gold medal game mm-hmm. uh, would definitely be up there as well. I mean, I was, you know, uh, in 2010, you know, we all remember where we were when Sydney scored the golden goal. And, yep. and again, my late late friend John Ashbridge was the, the the English PA announcer for the uh, for the Olympics and got the chance to to announce that goal. And he always said that uh, he didn't think that anybody could even hear it because the crowd was so loud that even when he was announcing the goal, he was trying to do it at the top of his lungs. But there's still so much cheering going on. He, not quite sure if, if a lot of people actually heard it um but i was you know i've been really fortunate not only with the canucks but uh, working with the nhl on on their signature events this this season whether it be the winter classic or the all-star game or or the stadium series in in colorado springs uh, you know i got to go to, to china when the uh, canucks and, and kings uh, did the first china games you know uh i've had an opportunity to do a draft uh, I do a lot of voiceover work for the for the NHL awards. So, you know, I'm again, I'm really fortunate and really grateful for the opportunities that uh, <clears throat> excuse me that I've that I've had. But there are other things again that I want to do. But again, you can't you can't go without saying a Stanley Cup final because, and this year, who knows? You know, with with the with the with the way the puck bounces, I mean, it would be just so exciting for the for the Canucks to be in there and have a chance to do it. Well, I'm hoping it's Toronto versus Vancouver, and I'm hoping it's the local guys who call for the team They get to come in for the final, and everything's opened up a little bit more, so that way you can be the one there, Al, and doing the call for the Vancouver Canucks, and if it's to Toronto Maple Leafs, I hope Mike Ross is in-house in Toronto, and it just happens that way. 
I will be so ecstatic for that. But that is a very big wishing. Many bounces, many things need to go right, especially for the Leafs. I think Vancouver is a step ahead of them in regards to a lot of things. So I'm looking forward to this playoffs. I'm looking forward to the play-in. And I can't wait to hear you back behind the mic announcing Vancouver goals. I know we don't get to hear you quite as much as we'd like out here on the East Coast. But when we get the chance to watch Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, and Quinn Hughes go at her on national TV, we definitely tune in. Well, you know, and, and, and with us, I mean, we <laughs> we got a lot of Leafs games <laughs> out here on the West Coast, as it's as it's always been, which I don't mind because uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mike Ross, and I'm a big fan of, of, of all of the PA announcers in, in the league, uh, especially the ones in Canada. Uh, so, uh, you know, shout out to 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 all of all of my PA brotherhood, uh, who I respect very very much. Well, Al, I want to thank you very much for taking the time today. I'm glad that uh, you reminded me that yesterday was not Friday, that today is finally that day of the week. It shows you how long the week has been for me. I was all set up and ready to go. but you know what? Every every day with this pandemic, every day just seems to roll into the next. You know, is it Thursday? Is it Sunday? We're not quite sure. So uh, I, I, it was some sort of relative, uh, relative normalcy is very, very welcome to me. <laughs> well, again, Al, I want to thank you very much. Look forward to hearing you behind the mic again for the Vancouver Canucks when everything gets back to normal and hopefully get to have you back on when things are back to normal. And I would be very, very happy to come on, and uh, good luck against the Blue Jackets. Thank you. Likewise against Minnesota, sir. You take her easy. Cheers. All right, so as you heard, that is Al Murdoch. He is the PA announcer for the Vancouver Canucks and doing so much other voiceover work and work within the community for all the teams, as you did here. So that is Offside for today. Thanks so much for joining in, checking it out. All right, get out of here, enjoy the day, and you take her easy. (laughs) 